Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. So I have news for you. We're going to talk about the real story of I am Patrick. We're going to talk about how really the real story is more powerful and more inspiring than all of the legends about Patrick. Now, many monks, they literally took the liberty to overemphasize things. And when they wrote about the legend of Patrick, they wrote things that were probably not correct. I'll give you an example. He did not get all the snakes off the island of Ireland. They've already proven there's no signs of snakes to begin with on the island of Ireland. So he did a good job. Most likely, scholars said that the idea that he got rid of the snakes was because he got rid of paganism and the Druids. And that's most likely where that metaphor came from. And people took it as, a, as an idea that it was of real physical snakes. We're not going to be talking about leprechauns or um, even clovers or shamrocks and, or green beer. Um, did you know that the beginning of the whole St. Patrick parades began in New York about 250 years ago? It's not even an Irish thing. But most likely because of the Irish coming over to connect to their homeland that might have been one of the reasons why it was developed into what it is today, which is very far from the story of Patrick. So, Lord, I just pray that you would give us hearts, Lord, that would be really tender today and discerning today to hear what you want us to hear about an early church father of the Christian faith that could be applicable and relevant and real for where we live right now. In Jesus' name, amen. See, St. Patrick, he role modeled the Christian community, for the Christian community, what it means to truly forgive others and to share the gospel. And he became a hero for winning the Irish to Jesus Christ. The gospel gives us the following message from the heartbeat of Jesus himself on the importance of doing the Great Commission. So let's go to it. Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 16. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of them doubted. And Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This was Patrick. This is what he was all about. Now, Patrick is also known as literally known to be a one-book man. He only read one book, as we'll find out in a little while, that he actually went to France and studied to become a priest and all of that. But literally, when he was done with school, 
he had learned Latin, how to read, how to write it, all that stuff. But eventually he was only, everything was one book. And you want to know why it was only the Bible? Because it impacted everything. The way he spoke, the way he socialized, the way he moved, his strategies, his tactics, everything was literally, as you begin to watch and read his life, you go, oh my gosh, he looks just like Paul right here. Oh my gosh, that's just Jesus. You just find everything about Patrick was B-I-B-L-E. Everything. Everything. And you'll see that as we go through this. Let's look at John chapter 20, verse 21, 22. Again, he said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Patrick took that literally. Then he breathed, that, breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. Now, according to the legend of Patrick, Patrick would pray from what is called Patrick's breastplate, a prayer. It's a very long prayer, so I have shortened it and I've edited it, but I wanted to give you a little snippet of some of the heart of who Patrick is. And so to make this um, a little bit more apropos, let's have a little music to flow with this. I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity. By invocation of the same, the three and one and one in three. I bind unto myself today the power of God to hold and lead. His eye to watch, his might to stay. His ear to hearken to my need. The wisdom of my God to teach, his hand to guide, his shield to weird, will. The word of God to give me speech, his heavenly host to be my guard. Against all Satan's spells and wiles, against false words of heresy, against the knowledge that defiles, against the heart's idolatry, against the wizard's evil craft, against the death wound and the burning, the choking wave and the poison shaft, protect me, Christ, till thy returning. Christ, be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. This is just a sampling of how he would pray. So let's learn from the man, Patrick, and ask ourselves a few questions. Am I willing to draw closer to God in turbulent times? Am I willing and able to forgive those who have caused me pain and suffering? and great loss in life? Am I willing to follow the call of God, even give my life to those who actually harmed me and enslaved me? We face it in, in our day, part of it is what we call the council culture. 
You know that for many people, they don't realize what murder looks like. We always look at murder as taking somebody's life where their heart no longer beats. They are completely dead. There's no movement in any part of their body. But murder can also happen over a longer period of time. If I counsel you so that you're nothing, you can't get a job, you can't get a business going, you can't find any reputable name anymore for yourself, do you realize it's just a matter of time before you are dead? That is murder. That is why God says, do not bear a false witness against another. It's a form of murder. You take away their ability to have life. And yet, Patrick is an incredible example. Let's look at some of the historical background of Patrick. Patrick lived in the 5th century. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's helpful to, to know these things. So when, I, when somebody says the 5th century, it's in the 400s. Does, does that help you a little bit? Kind of strange because when you take all of the 400s and you finally get to five, now you're into the 500s, now you're into the 6th century. So when you complete the 400s, you've completed the 5th or the beginning of the 6th. Does that make sense? If not, Google it. (laughs) Patrick lived in the 5th century, a time of rapid change and rapid transition at this point in history. In many ways, we might say that those times of turbulence and uncertainty were much like our own even today. There are those of you who you're in your 80s and you know you have never experienced life in America like you do today. And it's, and it's just like for him. He's seeing this. The Roman Empire was beginning to fall apart. It was breaking up. And Europe was about to enter the so-called Dark Ages. Rome fell to the barbarian invaders in 410. This is about a thousand years before before some guy named Columbus would land on what we call American soil. You kind of get the timeline now. Within 10 years, Rome, it's falling from power, and the Roman forces began to leave what we would call England or Britain. It was known at that time as Roman Britain. And so all of the Roman guard... They all had to leave to go back home because that was falling apart and it was in shambles and they had to defend the homeland. So what does that do to Roman Britain? They have nothing to protect them. There's nobody. It's lawlessness. This was Patrick's world. Patrick's father was a deacon and his grandfather was an actual priest. Now, at that point in time for the Catholic Church, even as, as, a, priest or, as a priest, you could still marry. That, that wasn't unheard of. But his father was also uh, worked for the Roman Empire. And so he would be in charge of the tax collecting and whatnot. And so you can kind of get an idea of what's going on there. So Patrick's story 
Um, I'm getting some of this from Anita McSorley, from William Federal, from Philip Freeman, and many others. So here are some more uncontested realities about Patrick's story. Even if it's somewhat unspecified, here, here's some, some of those biography facts about Patrick. Patrick was born somewhere in Roman Britain. He's a Brit, not an, not an Irish dude. He's British, Roman British to be exact. His father, as we know, was also an official. While in his teens, though, Patrick was kidnapped. He was up there at the family villa, which wasn't very far off the coast. So when the pirates, the Irish pirates, would come, they would work, make their way to all these different villas or these little farms. And in there, they were looking for basically two types of individuals. Young, strong backs. They didn't like the older guys because they couldn't break them as easy and they would have to kill them. But they would get the young ones who were a little bit more impressionable, but they were strong enough to do the chores. And they wanted the young gals to not only do chores, but take care of the master in the bedroom. This is that time. It's pagan time. So Patrick was kidnapped. He was forced onto a boat. And there they sailed across into Ireland. There he had to travel very far inland. Nobody knows how long, but at least three-day journey into the inland of Ireland. There he gets sold to a high priest druid who was also a farmer, a shepherd. He had sheep. So what do you think this rich, spoiled brat of Roman Britain gets to do? He gets to be a shepherd. By the way, as a teenager, as a child and as a teenager, the family was very Christian. He was raised Christian, but he wanted nothing really to do with Christianity. He would even say he was more pagan than Christian in his own words. So now there he is. And he's beyond himself. How will I ever get home? There is no home. By the way, if you were a slave, you were human trafficked to wherever you were at, you're never going home. You're never escaping. It does not happen. So this is his predicament. But later, we find out that he does escape, and he does finally make his way back to his mom and dad. And then, and this was after six long years of being a slave. Well, later in his life as old Patrick, he writes two documents that are the primary documents that all scholars use to talk about the facts of Patrick. One is called the confession. As a young boy, he shared as a teenager to one of his best friends uh, a sin that he had committed. We don't know the sin. And in committing that sin, decades and decades later, because the, the church was so unhappy with his success, maybe due to jealousy, but also because of his techniques, he would actually go and find somebody who 
would be the chieftain or the king of that little village and say, hey, let me tell you about Christ. And he would get them saved. And then he would say, you, you need to become the pastor. You need to become the priest of this flock, this village. And then he would ordain them because now he was a bishop. And then he would say, well, we need you to learn the scriptures. So let's build a school, a monastery, and there they would teach Latin and teach them how to read, how to write, and ultimately to study the scripture so they, they could pastor and shepherd their village. They didn't like that technique. They said, no, 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 he has to learn all that ahead of time. He's like, hey, it's working. And they didn't like that. And so they wanted to find a way to remove him from his bishop and his priesthood and remove him out of quote-unquote, the ministry. So, let's explore some of Patrick's life and, and discover some of the spiritual lessons we can learn from this story. Now, I just gave you a brief, but now we're going to kind of take different parts of that story and we're going to really blossom it out some, okay? Patrick modeled for us the importance of following the call of God on his life. You have a call of God on your life. I don't care how old, how young. I don't care if there's trouble, if there's not. God has a call on your life. During this time of, of being a slave at the age of 16, from these Irish pirates. It's during this slavery, as he's working as a shepherd, kind of reminds you of the story of David, right? That he said that his faith grew. He turned to God for comfort. He repented of his ways. It's in this captivity as a slave that Patrick said, I would pray constantly during the daylight hours and, the faith, and my faith grew. One day I would say as many as a hundred prayers and at night only slightly less. Patrick truly had an incredible encounter with God in this suffering. How many have ever suffered in life? I'll, I'll put two up. How about you? Yeah, right? You want to know the truth. When you're really suffering in life, when there's really heartache and brokenness, you have one or two paths. Curse God or embrace God. I tell you, when you embrace God in those seasons, something just blows up beautifully within you. He grew in his faith and he learned while he's out there with the sheep how to listen to the voice of God. Remember 16, he's there for six years. It's during this time that he's getting an education by the Holy Spirit. One day, Patrick received a message from the Holy Spirit and told him to flee, to escape. That there would be a ship waiting for him in this cove. So, everything's Christ. Everything's God. He doesn't question, and he takes off. It's no big deal until you realize he has to go 200 miles. He, don't have, he doesn't have a horse. He doesn't have, he's just going. Here's the scary part. If he gets caught, 
He's going to be in slavery again, or he's going to be executed by his Druid master. How does nobody stop him in 200 miles? Because he doesn't speak Gaelic. He's learned how to speak Gaelic for the last six years, but his native tongue would mean that he would have an accent, and they would know instantly that he was a slave. This is a miracle. So he finally comes, and he comes over this ridge, and he looks, and there's a cove, and it's unbelievable. There's the boat. There's the ship. He's been, God told him, there it is. He's so excited. And he comes all the way down there, and he says, hey, captain, I'm here. Um, now you can leave. He goes, who are you? God told He goes, can I have passage? My family is wealthy. We can give you money when we get to, to Rome, Britain. I, it can, and he goes, get out of here. So he's pushed away. He's completely distraught. His, his head is down and he's walking away. He gets far away. And he's, as he's getting far away, he's going back to where he camped the night before. And literally, one of the sailor's mates are running and they yell to him. And he says, hey, captain changed his mind. Come on. Really? God is faithful. Let's go. And he's so excited. He gets out there and they row and they row and they get far out from out to sea no way you're going to swim back and the captain goes what's your name patrick good you're my slave now now he's a slave twice so they take off and he has to be a slave for them for a period of time until they will take him back to where he belongs at home ends up in some place they think gall or something like that and it's during this time that, for whatever reason, they ran out of food and they were about to starve. And one of the, one of the I think it was the captain, yells out and says, Hey, you Christian, you believe in your God. Pray to your gods because we're dying. He goes, No, 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 no. You come to God and I'll pray. And God will provide all the food. What? And then he prays. And as they're walking, out comes a herd of hogs. They had so much food, they ate till their tummies were way out like that. Kind of like Kylie, right? <laughs> right? Full. They had so much, they fed all the dogs. By the way, they would literally transport dogs. Somebody going, well, how come they didn't eat the dogs? Because that's cargo. That was money to them that they were going to sell when they got to port. So they weren't going to get rid of that. So finally from there, because of that great miracle, they take him home. Can you imagine showing up at home for six years, mom and dad and all the family haven't seen you, and all of a sudden he shows up? He's probably got a beard. He's gone from being a boy to this man, and they're probably like, you can't be Patrick. He's dead. Nobody escapes. And then they realize it's Patrick. So he's all excited. Don't you ever leave us. Don't you ever leave him alone ever. You know, they're, they're making all these vows. Well, it was all because God spoke to him and revealed to him. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. But it was to us that God revealed these things 
in his spirit. See, Patras' miraculous escape was revealed to him by God. The Spirit of God told him where to go and how to escape. See, God still speaks not only to the disciples and the apostles, but he speaks even to us today, just like he did to Patrick then. A guy who didn't even have an education at the time. By the way, didn't like God before he got slave, before he became a slave. So after he escaped, he ends up getting home, and from there, he says, I can't go back to my old life. And he wanted to dedicate his life to the cause of Christ, to the church. So they send him to study in France. He learns everything he needs to learn. Learns Latin, learns the scriptures. But he still, there's this restlessness. He becomes a priest. First a deacon, then a priest. And eventually, 18 years or so later, he actually becomes a bishop which was critical to his missionary effort in Ireland. Because as I said, he could not ordain anybody to be a priest because he was going to copy some guy named Paul. I'm going to be apostolic. I'm going to set up, I'm going to get the head guy saved, he'll get the everybody else saved, and then we'll build up a little place for them, a little church, maybe a little school, and get that all going, then I'm going to take off to the next village, and I'm going to do the same thing. But I can't do that if I'm not a bishop where I can lay hands and ordain. He knew this. He knew this. He needed that support, that backing. God, after all this schooling, after all these years, we don't know exactly how many years from the time that he was rest, that he came home from being from escaping. We don't know the amount of years, but we do know that he had a dream, had another encounter with the divine. And as he was sleeping in this dream, it was this guy. We believe his name is Victor Victor Riscus. Anyways, he was on the edge of the island of Ireland, on the beach, and he's screaming out to Patrick, Come! Save us! Rescue us! Help us! He believed that was a call of God for him to go, to evangelize Ireland. And so he did everything very proactively. And he would go up to everybody who was a bishop, everybody who was a part of the church and say, send me. They had sent people to Ireland. They didn't come back. And they stopped. Those people, you can't reach them. It's over. But he wouldn't stop. He says, I know their culture. I know their language. God's given me a dream. So they let him go. Now think about this for a second. How would you handle it, mom and dad? If your boy Patrick, who had just been a slave for six years in his teenage years, early 20s, and now he's saying he wants to go back? And if the Druid, who was the slave master, finds out? Are you wanting to let Patrick go home? 
or to go back to Ireland? No. But he's a grown man now. They can't stop him. Patrick's calling was very similar to the Apostle Paul's calling, how Paul was called to the Gentiles. Obviously, Patrick knew he was called to the Irish. Let's look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 12. And this is Paul who wrote the book of Galatians, and this is what he says. I received my message from no human source. Could you not put Patrick there? And no one taught me. For six years, nobody taught him how to hear the voice of God. No one taught him how to pray. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.2. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said, I'm doing what I'm doing because God told me to do it? Now, don't get me wrong. I know how some people abuse that. Have you ever heard that? They really want the pastor to do something or they really want the leader to do something. They say, God told me that you need to. Wait a minute. If God told you, then God will tell you to do whatever has to be done. Don't manipulate. Don't, don't blame God for something you want to manipulate. But he's saying here, I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message I had been preaching to the Gentiles. Doesn't it sound like what Patrick's story is like? He went to the leadership. I want to make sure that we are in agreement. Isn't that what Patrick was trying to do as well? For fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. Do you begin to see that the Holy Scriptures are relevant for where you live, just like they were relevant for Patrick, just like they were relevant for Paul? Patrick needed the ability to ordain the Irish pagans who converted, and he got it. In Romans 10, 14, it says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Well, that's true. But Paul doesn't stop there. This is what he says next. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him in Ireland? Do you see that? If they've never heard about him in America. I was a pastor up in Grass Valley many, many years ago. I went to a little cafe, diner kind of restaurant place. And there the waitress looked at me and I spoke something about Easter, and she goes, isn't that about Moses or something like that? That's Bible stuff, right? This is America. And we assume everybody knows the gospel. And if you do, you're lying to yourself. There are people in this room who come where their parents never went to church. Or their grandparents never went to church. Be careful. Not everybody knows all the things of the scriptures. And it's not necessarily their fault. So it was a beautiful conversation. And I just kind of walked her through it. She goes, my goodness, I had no idea that that was what it was all about for Jesus. 
See? See, the more we learn of Patrick, the more we see him in, with the same passion like Paul had. So he returns to Ireland with the gospel. He was the first in the Roman era to successfully evangelize outside of the Roman Empire with the gospel. And Patrick's calling literally was from the Lord. And the Lord gave him wisdom and insight and strategy on how to win the loss. So let's see some of what he did. He was not afraid of the cults and the dangers of being a witness for Christ. He faced the heaviest opposition from the Druids. The Druids are basically the pagan priests of the day. They spoke for the gods. Many of their writings actually refer to saying, we must kill that holy Patrick. He wasn't friends with them. But Patrick wrote this about the early battles with the spiritual enemies of darkness, about his interactions with these druids. He said, daily, I expect murder, fraud, or captivity. But I fear none of these things because of the promises of heaven. I have cast myself into the hands of God Almighty, who rules everywhere now now his name is john elders maybe you've read the book the wild at heart it's, it's written for men and, and he speaks and john says that men need to be brave and face the battles that are in their lives and he states quote the most dangerous man on the earth is the man who has reckoned with his own death all men die few men really live when you don't have to worry about death, I die. What? What, was, what does Paul say? To be in the presence of the Lord, to die is gain. He reckoned with it. He wasn't trying to preserve his life. He was trying to get the most out of it before it happened. Because he knew that once I get to heaven, once I'm up there in the big heavens, I can't win one more soul to Jesus. Are we winning souls? Patrick's courage came as a result that he was fully committed to die for the cause of Christ. And this made him so successful in Ireland. He used their cultural beliefs and their, their present understanding of things to relate to them. So he preached in Gaelic. That really made the guys back home upset. Why are you preaching in Gaelic? Now, how can you should be doing Latin? You should be doing our native tongue. And he's like, hey, they speak Gaelic. God made me a slave so I could learn Gaelic, so I could preach to them in a language that they could understand. Some say that the Celtic cross, and we don't know if this is legend or not, how many know the Celtic cross with the big circle there, right? Some say, or legend says, that he actually put a circle on top of the cross. 
And he would carry that. So when somebody would come up, because the pagan of the day, they worshipped the sun as one of their many gods. And they would say, why do you have a sun on your cross? He says, oh, let me tell you about the real son of God. And then he talks about Christ on the cross for them. I think a monk was the one who took the clover and said, hey, the Trinity. But that's legend. The other one, I'm not sure if it's just legend or not. He just presented the gospel with power and authority, with miraculous miracles. You're not going to win this kind of a crowd. They believed in violence. They were hostile. They... they it was such an incredible thing. They believed that the seat of the soul of a man was in the head. So literally, when they would go against their foe, they would cut off their heads and they would decorate the temple with all of the heads. And they would literally strap them on to their belt, these heads dangling. They're barbarians. Are you getting to understand that if they wanted good crops, they would sacrifice the newborn babies. They would take prisoners of war and they would sacrifice them to the war gods. I'm trying to get us to understand there's nothing about Christ that makes sense to this kind of people. A guy who would die naked on a cross? Why would I want him to be my God? Are you getting to understand? This is foreign upon foreign upon foreign mindset. And how do I reach them? The power of God, the miracles of God. Matter of fact, the story goes, and I, I hope I get this correct, that literally uh, one of the rules, by the way, every village was like its own little nation. There were not universal laws. So if you lived over here in this village A, your rules were different than village B or C or D. And they were very far from. There was no national polity. There was no national governance. Okay? So whoever the chieftain or the king was, whatever they said was, was it. And it could be totally different than what they say over here. This is a weird time to live. And so all of a sudden... He comes in and there's this druid here and he has made it the, the decree that nobody's to light the great fire at Easter time except him, the high priest druid. So legend has it, or maybe true, that he goes up as high as he can until he can see down where the village is at and he builds this massive bonfire, right? Massive bonfire. Loads it up with as much grease and whatnot and fires it up. Well, that druid was mad and literally sent up a legion of guys to go up and kill one man. And he prayed. Patrick prayed. And as he prayed, God went before and took out the whole legion of the chariots and all these guys, killed them all. He comes down, and the next day, one of the druids had, had done his little you know, magic spell, and all of a sudden the fog came in. And he had, he had actually prayed this magic fog would come in. And then, I love what Patrick does. He goes, all right, I'll get rid of it. Hey, 
You're a big God. Get rid of it. And he couldn't. And then Patrick prayed in a heart of humility. And instantly the fog was lifted. And that guy got consumed by fire, legend says. I'm telling you, if you're doing these kind of incredible miracles, that culture of barbarianism, they're going to go, what would you say that God's name is? What's he want me to do? Wow. Patrick strategically focused on winning the leadership. And then after winning the leadership, he would find a way to establish all the... Matter of fact, Ireland only had its literature because of Patrick. They were an uneducated society. It was all verbal. It was all oral. And yet he turned around and brought education, brought Latin, all of this. Do you know Scotland and Ireland both owe a debt of gratitude that they have faith in Christ because of Patrick? You say, how, how Scotland? Because for generations, for hundreds of years after Patrick died, Everybody who became a priest or a bishop or the like emulated Patrick, which was to evangelize. And so they got in their little traveling ways and made their way to Scotland. And there they started sharing the gospel with the Scots. That's how the Scots got scripture, how they got Christ was from the converts from Patrick. Patrick won two nations to God without even stepping in Scotland. Isn't that wonderful? Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to apostles' teachings and fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, communion, and to prayer. So as you begin to look at this, you begin to understand that's exactly what Patrick was doing. He taught them to do that, how to have a communal way of living the fact that patrick wanted to go back and to reach the irish with the gospel is a clear sign that patrick forgave i don't know about you have you ever been so wounded in life that somebody hurt you so bad and if you look at patrick's life being kidnapped human trafficked six years of his life everything of his comforts of home no family no friends no hope of ever being anything else than a slave Do you think that guy would have a right to hate the Irish the rest of his life? Want them dead? And yet, he believed what Paul said in Romans 12, verse 21. Don't let evil conquer you. The evil that was done to him, the offense that was done to you, the betrayal that's been done to you, the evil that has been done to you, don't let it conquer you. But conquer evil by doing good. Patrick figured that out. 
In 1 Peter 3, 9, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. Can you imagine what he's saying here? He's saying, if you bless those who have hurt you, if you reach out to those who have hurt you, and you bless them, I'm going to bless you. But don't fake it. Ah, you didn't see that one coming, did you? Patrick is not the only example of returning a blessing when evil has been done to you. A young girl in the Old Testament was kidnapped. Let's, let's look at this in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 2 and 3. At this time, Armenian raiders... You could say Irish raiders invaded the land of Israel and among their captives was a young girl named Patricia. I just made that up. Nobody caught it. It's OK. Who had been given to name his wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to the prophet in Samaria who would heal him of his leprosy. Shouldn't she hate this guy? Shouldn't she want evil? Shouldn't she be going, oh God, thank you for doing this and bringing all that leprosy to that horrible man. He deserves it all. What does she do? She's got to go to the prophet so he can get prayed for, so he can get better. You catch that? Because as you look at this, you look at Patrick and you look at this, this female slave, this young woman, and because they were able to overlook and, and get over the offense and to forgive the offender in their life, both of them were able to lead their enemy to the Lord, which of course made them no longer enemies. 1 Peter 2, 23, 24. We're almost done. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. Who's he? Jesus. Nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, by his stripes, another version says, you are healed. The beating of the flog of the cat of nine tails literally would rip and tear his flesh off the back and actually up to the sides. And he says, by those stripes, those scars on Jesus' body brings you healing. Wow. A Christian, let me, let me look at this. 1 Peter chapter 2, 23, 24. I, I just pray that that would, we wouldn't just read it and forget it. This is telling us what the purpose and the meaning behind the cross is. Now, a Christian's ultimate example of the principle of forgiveness isn't found primarily in, in, in the patron saint or in this girl who was also kidnapped by the Armenians. 
Our ultimate example is Jesus Christ. If anyone could have retaliated when people did evil to him, it was Jesus. He had legions ready to go of angels. But instead, he chose the cross to offer eternal life to you, to me, and the ones who put him on the cross, the ones who betrayed him, which were all the disciples, and even his own people. And even God himself, the Father, turned his back on him because he couldn't even look at it. So what's the big takeaway from the life of Patrick? What's the big takeaway? If you have God, if you have God, God can use you to win over a nation. He didn't have anybody but himself. And God. You and God is enough to win over your family. You and God is enough to win over a community. You and God is enough to win over in your office, in your place of vocation. You and God is enough for what He's put on your heart, who to reach for the cause of Christ. You and God, whether it's writing books that would preach of the cross or that would point them to the cross, you and God is enough when you pray to see those grandbabies and babies come to Jesus. Paul reached all the Gentiles. Patrick reached all of Ireland, didn't even know it, and also Scotland. Who are we trying to reach for the cause of Christ? Father, we thank You for Your goodness and Your grace. We thank You for the real passion of who Patrick is. God, help us to have that same passion today and not to be confused. For you are, as Hebrew says, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You want none, none to not. You want everyone to find heaven. You don't want anybody to be missed out. Everybody's welcome to your table. All we got to do is confess, repent. So I'm asking you here right now. Do you need Christ? Maybe you've asked Christ, but maybe you've kind of walked away a little bit. Do you need to fix that in your heart? God, I pray for each and every person, if we've kind of backslid, that we would just make that prayer. That we would make Christ everything. That we would call Him back and say, have all my heart, not part of it. That I would repent. I would say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life. And give me the passion, give me the strategy, how to win those in my life you've called me to win. For the cause of Christ. Lord, bless your people. Bless them. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. 
how will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.